Hey folks, you guys know I'm always diving into the dark corners of history, unearthing the stories that are sure to chill. Mastering the art of storytelling and research isn't just a passion, it's a craft. That's why I turned to Masterclass. Whether I'm analyzing historical documents or piecing together ghostly tales, Masterclass has been an invaluable resource in honing my skills. Masterclass lets you learn from over 200 of the world's best minds right at your fingertips. And the best part is it's all available for just $10 a month with an annual membership. I've been particularly captivated by the class on investigative journalism taught by Pulitzer Prize winner Bob Woodward. His insights into uncovering the truth may have transformed the way I approach each episode here. What's incredible is that 88% of members feel that Masterclass has made a positive impact on their lives. And trust me, I'm one of them. The depth of knowledge and practical tips I've gained have boosted my confidence and enriched the content that I bring to you every week. As a listener of Haunted American History, you get an exclusive 15% off an annual membership. Just visit masterclass.com haunted. That's masterclass.com haunted to save 15% on limitless learning. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So what are you going to lose? Don't wait. Join me and start transforming your passions into expertise by visiting masterclass.com slash haunted. I'll see you there. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news... Leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's peanut butter cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hey, folks. This is something that I did not want to do. I promised for pretty much the entire month of October that Halloween would end with Zachary Bain. And again, another Halloween has come and no Zachary Bain. I feel like, I know the Zachary Bain story has, uh, has its fans and it has its haters. As many emails as I get as people who love the story, there's just as many people who are like, hey, it does not belong on this channel. One of the nicest reviews that I ever got was on Apple, and it was someone who said that, uh, I love this show most of the time. They said, uh, Chris does a great job on his show. His narration is sound, and he's, he's extremely personable. Well, thank you. He doesn't try to hide who he is. It'd be impossible. His research is good with a lot of lesser-known lore. I appreciate that. And I absolutely love the short fiction tales that accompany most of his episodes. Appreciate that big time. There is one thing I dislike about it, though. It's the, And it's a huge dislike. The reoccurring Zachary Bain stuff. To me, it doesn't fit with the theme of the format of the show, 
And this part blew my mind because I'm such a fan of both of these things. It's like if Twilight Zone, obviously I'm a fan of that because I have another show zoning out that I just talk about the Twilight Zone. It's like if the Twilight Zone a few times a year had stuck in the story of A Princess of Mars by Burroughs. But that kind of comparison to happen, which is just blows my mind, but thank you. Um, it doesn't fit and it detracts from the podcast. <clears throat> it's a great review, but also, you know, it's kind of a backhanded compliment. I lo- Listen, I loved it. But after, uh, I'm just rambling now. Um, you know, once I reached part five and I had part six ready to go, I felt like I was, I didn't want to finish. Not because I didn't know how to finish, but because, like I've said in the past, this story has been digging around in my head for forever. Over probably 15 years, maybe even closer to 20 at this point, where I first came up with this idea. And the story's evolved since then, but it's pretty much how it started and how it's ending is what I wanted from the get-go. It's all the middle stuff that is troubling to me because, like I said, it's a larger story. This is something that I wanted to be a book. I toyed with it as a book. I've toyed with it as a series. I've written it every which way but the way it deserves to be written. And the ending, the abridged version that the podcast got For me to make it end, it took a lot of edits because there's a lot of things that happened in the ending of the the actual story that I was writing that calls back to a lot of things. There's a lot more characters, all the Medwins in the Medwin clan you meet. And there's a big part in the finale where it's another one of the Medwins. And I can't have it be Xander because it's such a big plot point of why it's this other one. But it's like, oh, I had to, you know, omit them to do this podcast story version. But uh, I'm figuring it out. I had it and I'm in the middle of recording it. And if I let it keep going the way it was going, it wouldn't be true to me. And it wouldn't be true to the story. And I wouldn't be able to do it justice. It'd be like I'm just rushing through just to end it. And I feel like I would let a lot of people down. I'd let myself down more importantly if I did it that way. I promise that it will be out by the end of the year. Before the end of the year, I'm right there. I'm knocking at the door. It's a process, and I'm honest with you guys, and I'm not going to sugarcoat anything or lie and be like, but it's literally staring me in the face every day. And I was like, ah, when I was finishing it up, I had it just about finished up, but then I went back and made some edits. And then at the beginning of the month, I was still right around where I wanted to be. And I said, oh, this is no problem. I'll get this done by the end of the month. And the end of the month is here. And I don't have it. And plus, I'm going away. So it's like I had less time. And I didn't realize how much prep I had to do. Especially now with a toddler for going away. So this is me being very candid with you guys in the first five minutes of this episode. And if you're here for folklore or stories, I apologize for this all. But I will be bringing you a story, a story that I've been wanting to tell for a while, a story from an author who I've narrated their stories a lot. We have a lot of the same kind of sensibilities. He's a gentleman who I refer to as Sergeant Darwin. And uh, 
if you recall the story I did not that long ago uh, with the ice cream man, the ice cream truck story, that was one of his. He does uh, great work. And I am very excited to bring you guys Jack O'Landon Road and Zachary Bain will be back before the end of the year. I promise. If I, I'm going to say it right now. Tonight is October 24th. If Zachary Bain is not done by the end of the year, I'll stop the podcast altogether. Won't do it anymore. Done. Anyway, thank you guys so much. Thank you guys for sticking with me. And listen, I would have gave up on this. If I was really invested in the Zachary Bain story and I trolled you guys last Halloween and this Halloween, I'd have given up. So thank you for sticking with me. And just thanks. Thanks for just being you guys and the kind words that you guys send me in the emails. That's what really keeps it, keeps this show rolling. All right. Let me uh, get on with a story. It's not the story that I promised, but it's still a good one. I present to you all Jack-O-Lantern Road. Hey, folks. You guys know I'm always diving into the dark corners of history, unearthing the stories that are sure to chill. Mastering the art of storytelling and research isn't just a passion. It's a craft. That's why I turned to Masterclass. Whether I'm analyzing historical documents or piecing together ghostly tales, Masterclass has been an invaluable resource in honing my skills. Masterclass lets you learn from over 200 of the world's best minds right at your fingertips. And the best part is it's all available for just $10 a month with an annual membership. I've been particularly captivated by the class on investigative journalism taught by Pulitzer Prize winner Bob Woodward. His insights into uncovering the truth may have transformed the way I approach each episode here. What's incredible is that 88% of members feel that Masterclass has made a positive impact on their lives. And trust me, I'm one of them. The depth of knowledge and practical tips I've gained have boosted my confidence and enriched the content that I bring to you every week. As a listener of Haunted American History, you get an exclusive 15% off an annual membership. Just visit masterclass.com slash haunted. That's masterclass.com slash haunted to save 15% on limitless learning. Plus, every new membership comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee. So what are you going to lose? Don't wait. Join me and start transforming your passions into expertise by visiting masterclass.com slash haunted. I'll see you there. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. In eastern Utah... Trapped in the godforsaken emptiness between Salt Lake City and Denver, there is a stretch of highway known as Jack-O-Lantern Road. It's 24 miles in length and rarely used. It was more popular in decades past, but now it only provides folks with a very roundabout way to reach Arches National Park. Pretty much the only people who drive on it these days are hopelessly, hopelessly lost. 
This is the story of the first time and only time that I drove this stretch of highway a great many years ago. It's not a long story, but it's a true one. And it has taken me a long time to tell. I suppose you've come here to be frightened for a bit. To hear about things that go bump in the night and this story ought to do the trick. When it's over and you've gone about your day, I hope you bear in mind reality holds far more terror than any legend could. I grew up about 15 minutes north of where the road begins, in a small town called Coal Flats. The name was perfect. Coal production was the only thing keeping us afloat, and the place, unlike much of Utah, was flat as a goddamn pancake. There weren't many kids in my grade school, so everybody talked to everybody. This meant that when one kid had a story to tell, it wasn't long before everyone had heard it. Now, I'm not sure who first brought the tale of Jack-O-Lantern Road to my school, but I do remember who told it to me. Barbara Kingsolver, who last I heard was a widow of some wealthy old rancher up in Herber. Anyway, old Barb and I were nice friends back then, and I noticed that she seemed rather put out. During break time, I asked her what the matter was. Well, she began, looking around a bit nervously. I'm just worried about tonight. Tonight? What's, what's tonight? Barb pointed at the calendar on the wall in the classroom. October 29th. My family is driving on. They're driving on Jack-O-Lantern Road tonight. She clearly expected this revelation to have some effect on me. Myself, I had never heard of such a road, and I had no idea why October 29th was supposed to be such a bad time to drive on it. I'm sure my blank stare gave her all the permission she needed to jump into the story. Oh, you don't know? I thought everyone knew. Well. She dove right into her tale. To hear her tell it, back in the 1930s, our very own grade school had held an event in an old barn near the side of the road in question. Nobody knew it as Jack-O-Lantern Road in those days. Anyway, this barn was all decked out for Halloween festivities. The students were there on a Friday, October 29th, because the holiday happened to be on a Sunday that year. Children ran around gleefully in their costumes, trading treats and playing games. As was often the case in those days, there weren't enough grown-ups there to watch all the kids. So nobody noticed when four of them wandered right up next to the road, dressed in homemade skeleton costumes and carrying orange jack-o'-lantern buckets to hold all their candy. Well, of course, these children were struck by a passing vehicle and each one was killed instantly. Years later, I did my research and found that that dreadful accident had indeed occurred. However, not many of the details of Barb's story had been correct. The accident happened at the end of August, during the school's back-to-school festivities. The driver claimed that the heat waves emanating from the road blurred his vision, and that he didn't see the children until it was too late. And according to at least one deputy... The man's breath indicated that there may have been another reason his vision was blurred. I've still no idea how these details worked their way into this schoolyard legend. But according to Barb, every October 29th, these four children returned to that road, holding their orange jack-o'-lantern buckets, and seek revenge on any poor souls who happened to be driving upon it. It wasn't true, of course, but I didn't know that then. Barb's story, and she told it very well indeed, chilled my neck hairs every time I passed the entrance to Jack-O-Lantern Road, even long after my grade school days had passed. 
There comes a time in a man's life when he is inspired to put away his childish fears. I suppose this night was one of those times for me. I was 26 years old and visiting my folks up in Coal Flats. I left their place a little after midnight and planned to drive through the night to get back home to Phoenix, where I had been shacked up with a young lady I met in school, who later became my wife. She hadn't come with me, though. My folks didn't know about her quite yet. It was near the beginning of the drive that I became aware I would soon pass the entrance to the old, terrible road from my youth. God, I hadn't thought about that in years. It wasn't exactly on the way, but I wasn't terribly far from it either. I suppose it was more nostalgia than anything that got me to make that fateful left turn. The first thing I noticed was how bumpy the road was. The other pavements in the area had an occasional dip, it's true, but this road in particular was no fun to drive on. It was clear it hadn't been kept up, and why would it? Local legend did not, nobody drove here. I winced as my Buick lurched along the road, sure the old girl would fall apart at any moment. A brown signpost greeted me, bathed in my headlights. Next gas, 40 miles. I'd just filled up a few minutes before the old Main Street station in Coal Flats, so that wouldn't be a problem. There were no other signs on the road, just the occasional rusty mile marker. I'm a bit ashamed to admit, I actually felt cool, conquering my childhood fears like that. It wasn't even October 29th, but still. It was my first time on Jack and Road. I had a beard now, and I wasn't even scared. Yep, grade school me would have thought that was all pretty neat. A shadow lurked in the distance. The old barn, I thought. Those hairs on my neck stood up again. It's not that I was scared exactly, it's just that I knew what had gone down there all those years ago. I don't know if you've ever been to a place where something horrible happened once, but lots of those places have a weird feeling about them. Call it superstitious, if you will. That's the only way I know how to say it. I slowed down as I passed the barn, hoping to get a better look. It was on my right side. I craned my neck and saw it there, perched on its crumbling foundation, abandoned as a building ever was. I should have sped away right then and there. I pulled to the side of the road and stopped the car. There had always been a sort of a morbid curiosity about the place, and I wanted to get a closer look. I unlatched the door and took my first and last step onto Jack-O-Lantern Road, gravel crunching underneath my foot. I stood with one foot in the car and one out, staring intently over the roof and toward the barn, only just illuminated by the brilliance of the Milky Way above. The crickets chirped loudly, and that was the only thing I could hear. I became a little nervous. I was completely alone. Or so I thought. Something caught my eye. A flicker. A little glimmer of light from the left side of the barn. I blinked, thinking I had imagined it. I hadn't. There it was. A faint orange glow. Two of them, in fact. My mind went wild. Jack-o'-lanterns. Any pretense of being cool dropped at that moment. I practically leapt back into my car and slammed the door behind me. I closed my eyes and shivered. There was no way I'd seen what I thought I'd seen. Was there? As a matter of fact, I hadn't. There were no jack-o'-lanterns on the road that night. Sure enough, when I peered back out through the passenger side window, they were gone. I chuckled to myself. Jesus, man. Be cool. I figured it was just my mind playing tricks on me. It wasn't. 
What I had actually seen, I later learned, were flashlight beams. I turned my car back on, shaking my head. As I began to pull forward, I flicked my headlights on, and then I slammed on the brake. Hard. A group of men, perhaps five or six, were standing in front of me in the road blocking my path. They were dressed in dark clothes, wearing hoods or ski masks. I could only see their eyes reflected in my beams. A couple of them held bats, and one in the back carried something that looked at least in the shadows like a ball and chain flail. They stood about 50 feet in front of me. I heard a pop from far away, and something cracked into the side of my Buick. The gas tank display lit up on my dash. Had someone shot at my car? I screamed like a woman. You better goddamn believe it. I ducked down in case any more shots were fired and reversed hard. After a moment, I spun the car around a quick three-point turn and sped in the opposite direction. Or at least I tried to. Another group of men blocked my path, looking every bit as frightening, as menacing as the first group. They walked slowly towards my car. In my rearview mirror, I could see the other men walking towards me too. I looked out the window and saw two or three more approaching from the barn. I began to hyperventilate. Was this it? I thought of my girlfriend, sound asleep hundreds of miles away. I was supposed to be on my way home to her. I began seriously to doubt I would make it anywhere near there. Looking back and forth between the groups of men, I thought wildly that I'd rather take my chances with a bunch of dead school kids. Another shot rang out. It must have just missed the car, but it was close enough. I knew I had to move. I'd have to drive into them. But surely they'd planned for that. Surely they had a way to stop me. It seemed too easy, too obvious, and yet it seemed like my only hope. I reversed again, getting dangerously close to the group behind me. A couple of them, I think, realized what I was up to and started running toward the car. One of them smashed their bat into the back driver's side window when I sprung the Buick back to life and aimed it at the men in front of me. More gunshots. The back passenger window collapsed into a shattered heap of glass. My foot pressed so hard on the pedal, I worried it might snap. A couple of the men got out of the way instantly. A couple more stayed for a time. But none of them seemed interested in being flattened by two tons of American-made steel. And by the time I reached them, they were all on the side of the road. I could hear their voices jeering at me through the broken back window as I sped past, flying down the lonely road from whence I just came. My car broke down at the end of Jack-O-Lantern Road. Gas had been pouring steadily from a bullet hole in the side and I'd been doing more than a hundred the whole way back. I never drove that old girl again. I hitched a ride from the first car I saw. People were more than trusting in those days, go figure, and headed straight to the station. The sheriff called in some backup from bigger towns up north and they went to investigate. By the time they'd gotten there though, all the men had cleared out. What remained was an enormous stockpile of the most horrific weapons imaginable, and a whole lot of bodies. There was a woman from Littleton, Colorado who had been reported missing just a few days before. In fact, several missing person cases were solved in that barn. They'd all been mutilated in strange and ritual ways, and I was almost one of them. Life is short, I realized, so I ended up introducing my girlfriend to my folks a few weeks later. We've been married 46 years now. We had a couple of kids, and when they were young, I told them scary stories, just like the ones that were told to me. To be honest, I don't see much harm in tales about monsters and ghosts. It's good for the soul to be a bit frightened at times, I reckon. Especially when it's all just make-believe. But these days, the only stories that frighten me are the ones on the news. Of 
people gone missing, young people with their whole lifetime ahead. Cars left abandoned on the side of the road. I don't need much imagination, see, to work out what happened to them. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe some of the legends are pretty bad, but it's tough to know for sure because real life, well, it could be so, so much worse. I'm Christopher Feinstein. Wait a minute. I can't, I can't let you just leave without at least hearing the beginning of Zack Part 6. There was a chill in the calm evening air. The sun was still barely peeking up over the horizon. The sound of excited laughter could be heard echoing from every direction. Boot heels clicked on the pavement as half a dozen young witches marched down the tree-lined street. They waved their wands in every direction as if searching for some invisible foe. Each girl wore a new set of brown robes. Their hats sat cocked on their heads. Behind them trailed a duo of mummies. Dirty, tattered cloth hung from their limbs and trailed behind them, dragging along the earth. Their faded faces stared out with dull, unfocused eyes. They creaked brutally as they struggled to keep up with their younger group. Whoever these parents were, they did a great job with their costumes. John and Madge casually strolled down the sidewalk as Zack and Liddy darted up walkways to knock on the doors to say the words that kids waited all year to say. Trick or treat! I can't believe we have a sixth grader. We're not going to have many more years of this, Madge said to her husband as they affectionately watched his son hold his little sister's hand as they returned from getting candy from a very convincing Batman. We'll have Liddy for a while longer, unless she outgrows it. She's already finished playing with dolls. Did you say thank you? Zack, who was dressed as a blue Power Ranger, nodded in agreement before his sister chimed in. I did. Zack has a mouthful of Reese's Cups under his mask. Hello, Pearl, Zack said from a mouthful of chocolate and peanut butter. Zack, his mother said sternly with a disapproving look. Zack turned back toward the house and made a big waving gesture and let out a muffled, Thank you! The group continued down the street their bags full of candy and their spirits high. As they turned onto a quieter road, the sound of laughter echoed off the houses. Suddenly, a figure stepped out of the shadows, causing the group to come to a halt. He was tall and had a hood obscuring his face. But how he moved suggested he was young. Trick or treat, he muttered, holding out his hand. The group hesitated, but Liddy stepped forward with a grin her different colored eyes glinting in the moonlight. Of course, we have plenty to share. As she reached into her bag, the figure stepped closer, revealing a glint of metal in his hand. Suddenly, Zack felt a sharp pain in his side and stumbled back, his eyes widening in shock. Zack's hands hurried to his hip. It was damp. He brought his hands up to the front of his face and saw blood dripping. When he looked up, his family was gone. The cloaked figure slowly removed its hood, revealing the face of Xander. Xander's face was twisted in a devilish grin that showed off his sharp, pointed, wolf-like teeth. His eyes glinted with a feral kind of joy as he stared intently at Zack. The corners of his mouth were upturned so far that it seemed like they would meet behind his ears. Zack turned to run, but he was stuck in place. 
His legs wouldn't move. His heart was pounding out of his chest. He glanced nervously over his shoulder as Xander was getting closer. He tried with all of his might to get his legs to cooperate, but nothing was working. In the distance, he saw his parents and godmother standing at the massive front doors of house. He turned back again and Xander once again had the face shrouded with the hood. He was closer still. When his eyes returned front, the cloaked figure was standing directly in front of him. Scarred hands reached out from beneath the cloak, gripping Zack by the shoulders. Eyes piercing from beneath the hood. One brown, one blue. It brought its shadowed face up to Zack and screamed, Wake up, Zack! Zack shot up drenched in a cold sweat. His forehead met Abe's cheek and knocked the boy to the floor. Blinking rapidly, Zack fluttered away any remnants of sleep and his heart pounded in his chest. Abe, are you okay? Why the hell did you wake me up like that? Zack said while wiping sweat from his face with the corner of a bedsheet. Yeah, I'm fine. You were thrashing around and talking in your sleep. Sounded like you were having a nightmare. Plus, it's birthing day. How could you still be sleeping? Zack looked over at his clock on the nightstand. It blinked 7.01. Zack shook his head. No, no, I, I, I don't have nightmares, the boy said. You've never had a nightmare? Abe responded with a little bit of awe in his voice. I used to have them nightly. I'd have to change my PJs when I was a kid with how much I would sweat. Yeah, no, I've never had one. Well, once when I was really little. It was silly, though. What was it about? Abe asked. We had just had family movie night. It wasn't even a scary movie. There was just one thing that really freaked me out. I guess it was because how surreal it was. What movie did you watch? G Before Zach could answer, Shelly poked her head in. Oh, good, you're up. Hi, Abe. Hi, Shelly. Anyone else out there that wants to come in? Zach said with growing impatience. The one thing he enjoyed more than anything was sleep. Good morning, Zach, Frankie said as he peeked his gleaming metal head inside the door. Professor Dracula is hosting a breakfast banquet for all the contestants in 30 minutes, so get out of bed, splash some water on your face, get dressed, and meet us downstairs, Shelly said. More like hosting a last meal, Abe said morosely. Oh, stop it, Abe. You're going to be fine. The probability of Abraham Sif leaving the arena fine today is approximately 402,567 to 1. Odds decrease if he finds himself present in the forest of the... Frankie! Shelly shouted, cutting off her big robot. Would you like Frankie to read you your horoscope? Or perhaps tell you a joke? I think you already did, buddy, Zack said. We'll be right down. Zachary Christian Bain Birthing Day Part 6 will be available by the end of the year. Thank you folks so much for bearing with me. I love you all. And happy Halloween. <laughs>